If we're not a supernatural church, man, we got no chance. At the end of the day, again, all the power comes from the Lord in his gospel by the Holy Spirit for the glory of God the Father. If you gotta look across history, Every single genuine, awesome, supernatural work of God has always been a result of supernatural power. It's never been from pragmatism, okay? Pragmatism will never be the foundation of a genuine, supernatural, eternal work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll never be the foundation. We need the Lord. Good day to you all and welcome to Live in the Light. My name is Craig and I get to be the host of this program and joining me in our studio is our teacher, Pastor Robbie Simons. We continue to be in the book of Acts today, specifically Acts 10, and our message today includes a dream with a bunch of animals in it. Did that get your attention? Well, I wasn't lying, but maybe Robbie, you can tell our listeners a little bit more about today's message, which is called Supernatural Vision. Yeah, well done, man. Like just, you never know what you're going to get when you open up the word of God, isn't it, man? The way our God works is absolutely awesome. Today is the vision of God as he really starts to prepare and unfold the blueprint of how he's going to change the world, not only for the, the Jewish people, but for Gentiles and through, again, a vision given to Cornelius or at least directly to Cornelius and then to Peter and man so powerful and Craig I just like we get so encouraged to see the way our God works he's unstoppable he does whatever he wants however he wants to whomever he wants whenever he wants because that's who he is and no matter what we've been going through again you will not be able to stop the sovereignty of our God interacting and changing lives and can I just say from my heart to yours today on behalf of our team here at Live in the Light We love you. We are burdened for this world. We are burdened for the church. We are burdened for the sheep again. And this ministry exists to encourage you all in Jesus Christ that you might draw near, that you might be encouraged, that you might be strengthened as you seek to follow him and persevere and to know him maybe even for the first time. And so again, we love you and we are here to support and strengthen you. And we would love, love to hear from you as God is working in your life. And we pray today in Acts chapter 10, it's another chapter of God's story of leading you to purpose and passion and fulfillment in Jesus Christ alone. Because in the end, that's what this chapter is all about again. So we're excited to be with you and may the Lord bless you sincerely. May the Lord truly bless you today through his word. Amen. That really is our heart for living the light. And as Robbie said, if God has been challenging you or growing you through his word and you would love to share that, we would love to hear it. Listeners, you have no idea how much that encourages us here at Living the Light. You can reach out to us through our phone lines at 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's L-I-G-H-T. Or you can get us on our website at liveinthelight.ca. All right, let's dial into our message today. Again, it's Acts chapter 10 with a supernatural vision. Here now is Pastor Robbie. Okay, so here we are in Acts chapter 10. 
And here's where we go today. Supernatural vision. We are in our series, The Church Supernatural, a subset of the book of Acts so far. To recap, we have seen supernatural revival, supernatural guidance, supernatural conversion, supernatural healing. And today we see this um, supernatural vision, as we said. And church, hey, hey, wow, do we need to be a supernatural church, okay? We need the Holy Spirit desperately, amen, amen. We need the Holy Spirit. We gotta join me in praying for this more and more. Um, I was reading recently a book that was recounting the revivals in England and Scotland, even in the last, let's say, 150 years or so. So encouraging to read about um, the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit um, is everything. It's almost like it's too simple. Like you're reading these accounts of revival taking over a church or a community or a whole region and you're looking at it and you're like, well, that's anything but pragmatism. I mean, that is just the grace of God throwing through a hungry group of people and the Holy Spirit comes in and starts turning lives upside down. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is saving people, people begging for mercy. Again, it just reminds us, Bill Eliff, one of our friends, he said this, he says, the Holy Spirit can do more in five minutes than we can do in 50 years. Okay, that's so true. If we're not a supernatural church, man, we got no chance. At the end of the day, again, all the power comes from the Lord in his gospel by the Holy Spirit for the glory of God the Father. If you kind of look across history, every single genuine, awesome, supernatural work of God has always been a result of supernatural power. It's never been from pragmatism. Okay, pragmatism will never be the foundation of a genuine, supernatural, eternal work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll never be the foundation. We need the Lord. Keep on praying again for the reviving of the Holy Spirit. We need to do this together. We have to seek the Lord together. And did you know there's a prayer meeting this Wednesday at 7 p.m.? Did you know that? Doors open at six and prayer, pastoral prayer, 6.30. We're praying together again at 7 p.m. because we need the Lord so much. Again, you look across history, there's never been a genuine supernatural movement of God apart from the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. If you don't think you need that in your life, you need to open your Bible. And that's exactly what we're doing together today again. It's yet another passage where the whole thing, this whole introduction I just gave, the whole thing's presented in Acts 10 again. The gospel of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, changing lives for the glory of God the Father. Acts chapter 10, we got a bunch of verses to get through. I'm taking deep breaths today. There's a whole bunch of verses. It is good stuff. It's the story of Cornelius meeting Peter. I love that you'll give your attention to this. God help us, God work in us. Holy Spirit, teach us, amen. Holy Spirit, teach us right now. Use this time. Acts 10, whoo, verse one. Okay, here we go, ready? Verse one. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, what was known as the Italian cohort. He was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God, just imagine that happening, come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror, I bet, and said, what is it, Lord? And he said, this is so beautiful, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa. Bring one Simon, who is called Peter. 
He is lodging with one Simon a Tanner, whose house is by the sea. When the angel who spoke to him had departed, he called two of his servants, notice, and a devout soldier from among those who attended him. And having related everything to them, he sent them to Joppa. Okay, let's start here today. Point number one, we'll do this, ready? Number one, the call Cornelius. The call Cornelius. No, in verse one, we're introduced to Cornelius who evidently, okay, evidently, God was powerfully working within him on multiple levels. If you look at verse one, again, God is always working. Loved ones, let's just stop here for a second and let's just be encouraged as we meet Cornelius. Again, God is always working. He is always working, okay? God is always working in people and he's always working to draw people to himself. I want you to be encouraged with that. Peter had never met Cornelius, never by heard of the guy, of course, whatever. They're 45 kilometers away, but there is God working in this man and his household, planting seeds of the gospel in the, in the pursuit of God. God is always working, loved ones. You got loved ones that you're longing for. They're so far from God. There are people right now that you have never met, that you will meet in a week or a month or a year from now in this format, in this place, you'll become friends with them and great brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, because right now, God is working in them that we are totally strangers to, but God will draw them in, save them, redeem them, and make them part of the body of Christ, because God is always working, okay? He's always working. So we learn in verse one that Cornelius was a centurion, um, an officer of the Roman army. Now, the Jewish people uh, for the most part, did not like the Roman centurions or they would have hated them for how they related to one another. But Cornelius is not your average Roman officer. Now, verse two explains why. Can you see that in verse two? Look at verse two. Four main things we learn about Cornelius here. And then very obvious to us, again, what was happening. Cornelius was, not, number one, um, a devout man. He was a devout man who, notice, feared God, and it says his household. His household isn't just his family. It's everyone he has influenced, servants and leaders around him in his house kind of whole area. He's a man of influence in the fear of God. He's a leader and he's got a passion growing towards the Lord and that's being used around him. We also learn that he was a generous man and that he was a man who said, uh, prayed continually to God. So this is very interesting. Cornelius is described as a God-fearer. What is that? In this context, it's as close as you can get to Judaism without being a full convert. He would not have been allowed to become, again, in this way, in his position, a full convert. But evidently, Cornelius was looking around. He discovered the emptiness of the world. He's like, this isn't working. You know, uh, the army is my fulfillment. It's not working. The pleasure of the world's not working. So he was on their track, on their pursuit um, of the one true God. Now it's beautiful to see God working in the hearts of individuals like Cornelius. And again, here he is, this Roman soldier, and then pursuing God again, because God is always working. Like the song we sing, even when I don't see it, you're working, amen. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, God. You never stop working, drawing people to yourself. And we see this in Cornelius. Uh, he was a man ripe, a ripe for the harvest. He was hours away from total and complete transformation. Let me also quickly point this out, though this is very important. Notice here in this text, 
Cornelius was a man of religion. He was a man of religion about God. And yet we know from the end of this passage, he was not yet saved. So he had, he had good intentions. He was moving in the right direction. He had religion. He did not have relationship yet with Jesus Christ. That's very interesting to me. I've had some awesome conversations in this place in the last two weeks. In the last couple of weeks, people have come into, some of you are here right now, they've come into this place with religion with good intentions. They are seeking, God is working, they are pursuing. But in these conversations I, I've had, and whether it's in the front of the church or in the foyer, whatever, these conversations I have, right away I realized, wait a second, they're here with a good intention, but they've never truly heard the gospel. And the chance to say to them, just basically like that, listen, listen, what does it mean to you to truly know Christ? Do you understand how a person gains interest and to ask them the question and to hear a response back and to say, wait, 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 you're here. I'm so glad, I'm so glad you're here, but you need to know why we're here. We're here because of the grace of Jesus Christ. It's not about being a good person. It's not earning your way into heaven and explaining to them the gift of grace found in Jesus Christ alone. And I'm telling you in these conversations, again, literally in that moment, I'm explaining the good news, the grace, the non-earning my salvation message, the message of, of forgiveness is free by faith in Jesus Christ. And literally tears welling up in the eyes. And the person says back to me, I've never heard this before. And I'm like, no, isn't it awesome? Isn't it awesome, right? And to understanding it, you don't have to do anything. You have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, forgiveness of your sins. Again, people come in, you're right here, you're with religion, but you need relationship. This is Cornelius. But again, again, he's not a Pharisee. He's seeking. And yet he's not there yet. He needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Cornelius is pursuing God. But in reality, we know this, God is really pursuing him. Look at, look, at, look at verse three. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come in and say to him, Cornelius, and he was scared out of his mind. That's my translation. What is it, Lord? And he said, your prayers and alms have ascended as a memorial before the God. Now, isn't, isn't that awesome? I just wanna stop here just for a second. I've always loved verse four. Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. I mean, you don't think your prayers of dependence matter to the Lord? You, you, you don't think your giving matters to the Lord? Like we see here a God, or a guy on the path seeking God and the angel shows up and the first thing the angel says to him, it says, God has, your prayers have been a fragrance to God and your giving, your generosity to the things of the Lord has been also as ascended as a memorial to God. That is so beautiful. That's encouraged me greatly in recent days and weeks as well. When we seek to give to the things of the kingdom and pray to God. And because what's happened here? The angel's not like, hey, Cornelius, way to go, man. You're earning points with God. No, 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 no. What he's saying is, hey, Cornelius, your heart has been noticed by God. That's what this is all about. Your heart for dependence, your heart for your generosity is an indication of your heart. For where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Angels like, hey, Cornelius, the Lord loves your heart, man. He loves your, he loves seeing what's happening within your heart. 
And then notice in verses five to eight, the call is given. He's like, I want you to go find this guy named Simon Peter. And Cornelius, he knows nothing else, but he immediately obeys. He doesn't know anything. He has no clue um, how much Holy Spirit adrenaline must have Cornelius been feeling at that moment or filled with. I mean, he's just there. This angel shows up. He hears this sentence and then he go, go find Peter. He sends two of his servants with a soldier. It's so beautiful. Again, Cornelius has no clue what is happening, but we do. With hindsight, what's happening here in the early stages of Acts 10, uh, Jesus Christ is building his church. We have seen through um, the book of Acts so far, the fulfillment of what Jesus said in Acts 1.8, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. We've seen that in the book of Acts, Jerusalem, in Judea. We've seen that so far in the book of Acts. In Samaria, we've seen that so far in the book of Acts. And to the ends of the earth is what's to come. This is the beginning of God reaching the Gentiles that will then go out again and spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. Let me, I might add, the only reason that most of us, if we're Gentile, we're here right now is because this moment right here too, that's pretty awesome. And that's pretty encouraging. So we got to keep moving. So much to get through right here. Oh, just before we keep moving though, I got to make sure I say this, okay? Notice the angel doesn't preach the gospel to Cornelius. Notice the angel basically says, you got to go to Peter. Why? Angels aren't commissioned to preach the gospel. Point to the people who are commissioned to preach the gospel. Go ahead, go ahead. We are. You are, we're the ones who are supposed to preach the gospel. And that's so clear in this text right here as well. Be encouraged by that, not the angels. They're not even allowed to. Us, we are, God's people are the ones commissioned with the gospel. So number one, the call Cornelius. Number two, the confusion, Peter. The confusion, Peter. So look at verse nine. Says um, the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up unto the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. And he became hungry. I love the Bible mentions that. And wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. He's a good Jewish man right there. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing that was taken up at once to heaven. Now, verse 17. While Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. So notice this, okay? The Lord is on the move here. The Lord is on the move. Which means, loved ones, remember, whenever the Lord is on the move, people are about to be saved. The Lord is moving, people's lives are about to be changing. But Peter here in this moment, he is presently, the text says, perplexed or confused. And honestly, who can blame him, right? Who can blame him? So Peter is praying. By the way, have you noticed how much praying occurs in the book of Acts? If I mentioned we have a prayer meeting this Wednesday at 7 p.m., have I mentioned that? Oh, maybe I mentioned that already. That's good. I want to make sure I keep mentioning it. But just notice how much prayer. Everyone's praying all over the place in the book of Acts. I mean, if they're not doing anything, they're just praying. They're praying all the time. It's so encouraging. Then, it, then the text says that Peter was hungry to eat. Again, I, lo I love that the Bible mentions that. We'll see maybe why in just a second. Peter's hungry to eat. He's just a normal guy, man. He's praying to the Lord, but he has natural, again, desires of sustenance. And he falls into a trance with this perplexing vision. 
To which he even argues with God in verse 14. He says, no, Lord, I can't eat anything unclean. Do you think it's a coincidence that Peter's, the Bible says Peter's super hungry and then God gives him a vision about food? Do you? I mean, why did that happen that way? I mean, we can't be totally sure. I think it's connected. I mean, talk about getting Peter's attention. He's like, yeah, food, food. You know what I mean? Like he sees this vision and he's like raptured with this vision of what's going to happen. But what is this vision all about? Why is God showing a vision about food that would translate into Gentiles being saved? We gotta unpack that just for a second. Well, it's more than just the approval for those of us who are not vegans, okay? Although that is here right in the text, okay? Nothing against those who want to be vegetarian or vegans, all the power to you. That's amazing, whatever you want to do, but I'm not one, okay? So I'm really glad because this verse comes to mind a lot, all right? Hey, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. Yeah, yeah, meat eaters, all right? There you go. A little apologetic for that. We all love each other though, don't we? Anyways, I'll stop talking about that. I must move on. And here you go. Okay, so notice, one of the great distinctions between Jews and Gentiles was food. Right? So like this was one of the great separations between Jew and Gentile. The, the, the Jews ate foods that were considered clean by Old Testament law. The Gentiles would eat foods that were unclean. All of that ends right here in this vision with Peter. I mean, that's a huge deal. So you're Peter, you're like, what, 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 what? Wait, wait, wait a second. I've been raised my whole life in this law. And you're telling me just like that, it's over? Peter called nothing, nothing of the foods unclean. I mean, you can imagine Peter, he's taken aback by this. He's like, whoa, whoa, wait a second. Warren Wearsby says it this way. God was not simply changing Peter's diet. He was changing his entire program, okay? This is a monumental moment in the world and the relationship of the gospel between Jews and Gentiles. One of the great, listen to this too, one of the great realities of the gospel is it's not that Jews are clean and Gentiles are unclean. One of the great realities of the gospel, all are unclean. In Romans chapter three, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In Romans chapter three, no one is good, no, not one. In Romans chapter three, no one seeks after God. No one is clean in the reality of the gospel. All are unclean in their sin and need to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, what is happening here? It's such a major message. Notice this, that God, it says in verses 14 and 15, God gives this vision or this message to Peter, not once, not twice, but three times. Poor Peter, eh? His multiples are three throughout his life, eh? Eh? Peter denies Christ three times. Jesus meets him after the resurrection, says, do you love me three times? Peter's so discouraged. And here's Peter again, 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 who can blame him? And this is such a monumental kind of news story right here. Three times God sends him this message because he has to make sure Peter understands what he is saying. Peter did in part, but he wouldn't fully see the picture again until the verses to come. So the call Cornelius, the confusion, Peter. Thirdly, we see this, the connection, the connection now, Jew meets Gentile. Now this is gonna lead us from verses 17 to 33. So many verses there, let me recap, okay? So Peter then meets the servants of Cornelius. They travel together. They report to him, he's amazed. They travel together. They then meet Cornelius and they recall the situations. Cornelius is like, I saw an angel. And Peter's like, I, I heard the, you know, the voice from God. They come together in this amazing moment. So let's just maybe pick up at verse 31. Cornelius and said, Cornelius, 
Your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who's called Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon and Tanner by the sea. So I send for you at once and you have been kind enough to come. So Peter would have traveled 45 kilometers to do this, okay? And then he says, now therefore we are all here in the presence of God. It's amazing, like Cornelius, again, he is on the right track. He's not yet saved. He, he understands like God's working in him. We are in the presence of God to hear all that you have commanded. You have been commanded um, by the Lord. So a few observations right here of this section of the supernatural book and this awesome story on the screen for you. Number one, notice this, the sovereignty of God, okay? The sovereignty of God. Like again, like step back from Acts chapter 10. God is moving, man. He's moving in a guy in Joppa. He's moving in a guy in Caesarea, 45 kilometers away. He has an angel appear to one. God's voice and a vision is to the other. He brings them together. He's using servants they've never met before. He's orchestrating the power of the gospel. God's sovereignty is at work. These two men, what's happening will change the world. I mean, you want to talk about a supernatural appointment? Acts 10, here it is again. God is always working. God is sovereign. Church, God is working among us. God is moving among us right now. He's moving in this place, in this service right now. Like I tell you, watch out, man, watch out. You better be ready because you're next. You're next. You a willing vessel? You're next. I'm telling you, be ready, be ready. Young people, experienced people, everyone in between, be ready, be ready. God is moving and you could be next. I love the sovereignty of God. I love looking at Acts 10 and be like, look at God go, look at him go. He does whatever he wants, uses whoever he wants. He brings them together. He saves them. He's pursuing them. I love that theme throughout Acts. I was thinking of God's sovereignty and I thought of, you know, the world we live in right now in Isaiah 33, it says, the sovereignty of God will be the stability of our times. God is the stability of our times. You worry, you fearful, look at God's sovereignty. And then I thought about my personal Bible reading plan right now. Every section I'm in right now is dripping with God's sovereignty. For example, I'm in Genesis right now, the story of Joseph. I mean, if there's one verse that highlights that entire story of Genesis, again, with the story of Joseph. Joseph says what you meant for evil, God meant for good, because God is sovereign. God is in control. He led Joseph down to Egypt to save his people from famine. I'm in the Psalms. It's like every third verse is God says, I raise up and I tear down. I'm the God who causes the wind and the thunder and the rain, the sovereignty of God everywhere. I'm in the gospel of Luke right now in the early chapters of the Christmas story, the incarnation. I mean, you want to see God's sovereignty? Here he is interacting in time, giving his son as a gift to the world to be the son of God, to save us from our sins. Just dripping. I'm in, I'm in, the, I'm in the book of Job. I mean, talk about God's sovereignty within suffering. If Job doesn't know God is, is, is sovereign, the whole thing falls apart. Then I was just two days ago, I was in Ephesians chapter one uh, with my son and we're unpacking the sovereignty of God in salvation. And both of us stopped for a moment, sat there, stared at the wall. And both of us had that emoji of your head blowing off. You're just like, man, like the sovereignty of, we are chosen before the foundation of the world. We have been predestined according to the praise of his glorious grace, according to the purpose of his will. Are you kidding me? Listen, if God's not sovereign, I quit. But if God is sovereign, I'm in times infinity. And he is sovereign, so I'm in times infinity. I'm so encouraged by this. Look at what's happening in Acts chapter 10. Loved ones, be encouraged by this. Be encouraged by this. 
Notice secondly, the saving heart of God. When you're in Acts chapter 10 here, um, why is this chapter here? Why the visions? Why all the teaching? Why the meeting between these people? Here's why, ready? Because people are about to be saved. That's why. Why is God doing this? He's saving people from sin. That's why Acts chapter 10 is here. Look at God's heart here. Look at his heart to save. Hey, this just in, ready? He's not done yet. He's not done yet. Jesus Christ hasn't returned. People are coming to Christ all around us in this place, at this time, in this season. Wow, well, a strong word from God's word today, and a message of hope for all of us today. We pray that you receive that from the Lord today and your hearts are encouraged by that and you face this day delighting in the hope that's found in the Lord Jesus. And loved ones, just a reminder, we would love here at Live in the Light, we would love to hear from you if God's been moving in such a strong way, maybe even just today, providing you with that great message of hope. Our phone number is 1-844-22-LIGHT. That's 1-844-22-L-I-G-H-T. Or you can reach out to us via our website at liveinthelight.ca. I'm Craig Turnbull, and on behalf of Robbie Simons, we invite you to join us again next time on Live in the Light.